This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? I'm not sure if you've ever been to the Secret Museum in New York City. There's a Secret Museum? Yeah, it's hidden in this elevator shaft, and it's pretty incredible. Each shelf is considered its own wing of the museum. <laughs> and they have all sorts of weird things in there, from vintage magazines to a gallery of weird toothpaste from around the world to the shoe that was supposedly thrown at George Bush at that Iraqi press conference. <laughs> it's so strange. And it's all hiding in this tiny hidden museum that commuters just walk past all the time. It's strange how many like little museums and galleries there are hiding all around us. Like I feel like I only learned about this micro toy museum in my neighborhood when it showed up on my son's Pokemon Go. Well, so that thing <laughs> did prove useful after all. Very. The crazy thing is there are actually more museums in the country than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. Like according to the Washington Post, there are over 35,000 museums in this country and they cover every conceivable topic. From a forest fire museum in Idaho to a museum of maritime pets in Annapolis. <laughs> maritime pets? I really want that museum to just be a giant gallery of parrots owned by famous buccaneers. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> we'll have to check it out. But doesn't it feel like a waste? I mean, if there are that many museums hiding all around us, shouldn't we be taking advantage of them? So that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're creating a weird summer travel guide filled with obscure places that deserve way more attention. What do you say we dive in? Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikater. And today we're talking about finding ways to fit in a little weirdness into your summer. <laughs> so as you know, Mango, a few weeks ago while we were recording a few episodes, my wife and kids were doing their annual trip with three or four other moms and a herd of kids to the Great Smoky Mountains. They go and they camp there for three nights in Elkmont, Tennessee, and it's not just for the camping. It's because there's a species of firefly that light up in synchrony. That's right, synchronized <laughs> fireflies. And it only happens for about two weeks in June. Just two weeks? Like, that's such a short window. It is, but it sounds magnificent. And it's one of the only places in the world where you can see them. 
There have been some others found in the swamps of South Carolina and some other areas of the Appalachians. But this has become such a big deal in the Smokies that the campsites at Elkmont book up a year in advance. But during the second week in June, you can take a trolley up to the area and see the fireflies, even if you're not a camper. That's something I definitely want to see. Well, that's what got me thinking. Summer may have already started, but it's not too late to find lots of other unique and weird things to see and do around the country before the season ends. Definitely not. And to help us find some of the most interesting off-the-beaten-path places and events around the country, we turn to our friends at one of our favorite websites, Atlas Obscura. Now, if you don't know Atlas Obscura, you've got to check it out. And in a bit, we'll be joined by Dylan Thuris, one of the founders, to hear about some of his favorite spots. And I'm sure you've got a ridiculous quiz ready for two lucky people. <laughs> of course. Who are we going to have on the line today? <laughs> well, we've got a travel theme. Uh, so we've got two travel agents from Virginia, and they'll be joining us to play Weird World Laws. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get started. So we know it can sometimes be tough to schedule around exact dates, though we'll still get to a few awesome festivals later on in the episode. But let's start with some places you can go to pretty much any week. And because we love museums that are focused on very specific things, I think we should kick this off with a few of those. I see you've made a big list here, Mango. Yeah, I've got this list of 131 must-see museums around the country right now. <laughs> well, that's great, but I'm not sure we have time for 131 places. And in fact, you're moving from Brooklyn to Atlanta this summer. So I am. you're barely <laughs> even getting a summer. So why don't you say, why don't we pick Eight, and we'll talk about those. I'm going to cut my list off right here. Okay. <laughs> and well done. Let's begin right here on the East Coast and start with a museum dedicated to one of my favorite instruments, the kazoo. Whoa. I'm talking about the Kazoo Museum at the Kazoobie Kazoo Factory in Beaufort, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the kazoo is actually one of the only homegrown instruments in the U.S.? All right. Well, while I can't say I'm an expert on weird instrument history, I actually do know this one because of its origin. So a few episodes ago, you got to share lots of fun facts about your home state of Delaware. <laughs> so I feel like it's my turn to recognize some of the very important facts about my home state of Alabama. I don't know if you've noticed, but we come from some pretty influential states here, man. <laughs> but I know this one because the kazoo was invented by an Alabama vest and clockmaker, Thaddeus Von Clegg, almost 200 years ago. That's right. And do you think we're going to be the first podcast to mention a clockmaker from Alabama? Probably so. <laughs> but did you know that the kazoo is also known as the Down South Submarine? <laughs> Good God. No, I didn't. Now I feel bad for running away from that man who asked if I wanted to check out his Down South Submarine. <laughs> this sounds like a really fun museum. By the way, did you know the kazoo is sometimes called the most democratic of all instruments? Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because they're cheap and approachable, and basically anyone can just pick one up and play it immediately. There's this avant-garde piece from the 1970s called With a Hundred Kazoos, and audience members are given kazoos to accompany a little orchestra of real musicians, and they don't sound bad because kazoos are that easy. <laughs> all right, but let's move on. Where do we go from Beaufort, South Carolina? Let's head one state up to North Carolina to a museum I have to admit I didn't even know existed when we went to college in the state. It's the Museum of the Alphabet in Waxhaw, North Carolina. And what happens at the Museum of the Alphabet? Well, it started out as a project intended to translate the Bible into as many languages as possible. But even if that's not your interest, it's a pretty fascinating project. It's really a celebration of the history of the written language. There are 12 galleries dedicated to individual languages or families of languages, from Greek to Hebrew to African languages. But I think what's most interesting about it is the focus on minority languages that are only spoken by a small number of people, and they might be going extinct if uh, they're not preserved. I remember seeing a fact somewhere that of the 7,000 languages in the world, about a third of those lack a written alphabet. 
So all of those would definitely be at risk of being lost completely if people stop speaking them. Yeah, my family actually speaks a tiny dialect of a language called Konkni, which doesn't have its own script. And it was great growing up because it's basically like a secret language that I had just with my parents. There are so few speakers, <laughs> but it's really not that useful if you're trying to get around to India. But it's fascinating that the Museum of the Alphabet is really trying to preserve languages. And one of the ones they focused on is that of the Gullah communities of South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. It's a Creole language of some of the African-American populations in the coastal region. And it was developed out of several West African languages in the 16th and 17th centuries as a way for slaves of different backgrounds to communicate with one another. It's so interesting. I definitely want to check this place out. Well, while you're there, you can also see how your name would look in Klingon. Oh, so that's pretty cool, too. Actually, that <laughs> reminds me of the time you and I went to speak to the employees at Google in Mountain View, California. Remember this trip? Definitely. Because we'd heard they were so smart, we decided <laughs> to put them to the test and had a few language experts create the world's geekiest crossword puzzle. So every answer was in a constructed language like Klingon and Elvish and Esperanto. And we told them whoever completed it would get a free T-shirt. Now, not only did we run out of T-shirts because so many of them completed it, but they were correcting our grammatical mistakes in these constructed languages. So I guess they are pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah, it's so crazy. Okay, so another fascinating spot. Where to next? Well, there are two other spots in the south before we head up to the northeast. The first is right here in Georgia, in Statesboro, at the Georgia Southern Campus. It's the U.S. National Tick Collection, and it's (laughs) the largest collection of its kind in the world. Wow, this definitely seems fitting for this time of year when we're all searching for ticks after we go for a hike, and especially that one that makes people vegetarian because it gives you an intolerance to eating meat. (laughs) How weird is that? I know, it's like the meat lobby's nightmare. (laughs) But how big could this tick collection be? Are there really that many kinds of ticks out there? I was so surprised. They have over a million specimens, and there are 860 species of these uh, bloodsuckers collected from all seven continents. Wow. So I just opened the website here, and I see that they're open just a couple of days a week for a couple hours each, so you definitely need to plan in advance. Oh, and this collection is actually owned by the Smithsonian Institution. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And my other spot in the South is in Scottsboro, Alabama. Yes, another <laughs> Alabama fact. And I know this one, so please let me talk about it. I mean, you owe me after all the Delaware facts and the tax havens issue. <laughs> okay, the floor is yours. So this is the unclaimed baggage center in North Alabama, and it's not technically a museum, but it might as well be. It's where every piece of lost luggage from around the country goes. It's a 40,000-square-foot facility, And they take all the best stuff from the lost luggage they acquire from the airlines and put it on sale there. How weird is that? (laughs) That's so weird. And it's been around since the 70s. I think it was an insurance salesman who decided to buy unclaimed luggage from a bus station first. And they need to set up shop somewhere and sell all this stuff. This was all before he expanded into the airline world. And (laughs) there are literally millions of items passing through there every year. Have you actually ever bought anything from there? Where do you think I got this awesome American flag cowboy hat? (laughs) Anyway, it's definitely worth a visit if only just to see the weirdness of all the stuff people have lost. Well, the unusual thing to me, too, is that it isn't just a pile of junk. Like, from what I've read, it's actually kind of a nice shopping experience. Yeah, they've got a guest services desk with a concierge who can help you find some great dining options in the city. They'll provide you with personal shoppers. They even have someone take care of your pet while you rummage. It's a full-service thrift shop. (laughs) But thanks for letting me talk about it. I think it's, uh, what, that's four places now? Where to next? Well, I figured I'd owed you. But uh, we've done a little music, some language, some bugs, and I think we deserve a break. So we're going to head up north where we can kick back, hand our kids some quarters, and then ignore them for a while while we bask in the warm glow of a screen. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, these are two different places, but they're very much related. 
The first is a dream spot for retro arcade nerds. It's called the American Classic Arcade Museum in Laconia, New Hampshire. And according to Guinness, it's the largest arcade in the world. Wow, so it's a museum, but you can also play the games they have? Definitely. There are hundreds. And the focus is on many of the classic coin-operated games that were so popular before there was a significant shift in the 80s and early 90s to the more violent stuff. Okay, now I'm looking at their website, and I see they not only have the KISS, that's the band, pinball machine, but also the Harlem Globetrotters pinball <laughs> machine. And I see we missed something called Brofest. I feel like I'm okay with that, though. I'm, I might prefer to visit when it's not Brofest, whatever that is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Brofest is like a big networking event for professionals from all over the globe. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but speaking of pinball machines, that's the perfect segue into the other half of this thing we're pretending is one visit. And that's the Pinball Hall of Fame and Museum in Hopewell Township, Pennsylvania. They have 400 vintage games and pinball machines with over 1,200 more in storage. I actually love the history of pinball. It's so weird. So did you know that after pinball was invented in the 1930s, Mayor LaGuardia, you know, the one that New York's least accessible airport by public <laughs> transit is named after? Anyway, he had more than 2,000 pinball machines confiscated in the early 1940s because they were considered gambling machines. Yeah, there's this classic photo of him holding a sledgehammer, winding back, getting ready to go after oh, one. <laughs> Takes a tough guy to destroy a pinball machine. But yeah, I really do want to see this place. So Pennsylvania. All right. Well, before we head to our next destination, what do you say we take a little detour and talk to one of our favorite adventure lovers? Dylan Thuris is our old friend and co-founder of Atlas Obscura, a definitive guide to the world's most wondrous and curious places. In addition to cataloging the world's wonders in web and book form, Atlas has also hosted incredible events where you can meet wolves at bars, explore subterranean graveyards, learn lockpicking from expert locksmiths, and even howl a duet with a gibbon. It's truly one of our favorite sites to get lost in, and we're so excited to have him here today. Welcome, Dylan. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Gosh, it's so exciting to be here. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Dylan, tell us a little bit about how you founded Atlas Obscuro. Yeah. So, uh, I met Josh, my co-founder, way back in, in like 2007. And uh, I was about to go on a big trip. I was moving to, to Hungary, to Budapest for a year. And we were done sort of previous projects about ideas of wonder and discovery and we started talking about travel and the kinds of places we like to find and, and how difficult it could be actually to find these sort of tiny museums or, you know, uh, collections of mummies or, or the sort of stuff that really like stuck with you when you, when you traveled someplace. So basically it came out of a desire to create a database of that kind of stuff for ourselves as travelers. And we thought, you know, I bet you there's tons of people out there who know about some incredible place that they grew up next to or they happened upon on a trip, and we should make a kind of uh, a place where people can put those incredible uh, locations. And so that's how it started. And living in Eastern Europe, I traveled around and started finding some of these things myself. And then in 2009, uh, we launched Alice Obscura, and it's always been a kind of open platform where people can submit a place. And so, yeah, to this day, people still send stuff in that's like totally mind-boggling that you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you make time in your life to explore with, with a busy job and all this other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think one, one of the thesis statements of, of Alice Obscura is that you can find incredible wonders, you know, around the corner from you, that you don't have to travel around the world. Uh, and so a lot of times it's, it's just trying to be really curious about what is already around you. It's sort of if you see something 
unusual that you drive by. It's like taking the time to stop and knock on the door or see if you can get in somehow. Um, you know, I, I recently moved and so I've been exploring this area around where I live and I found out that there's a, you know, maybe a minute from me, there's a gigantic, huge uh, mine that uh, is open to the public that you can just kind of walk into and they host <laughs> uh, like concerts there sometimes. It's really incredible and it's it's always surprising what's, you know, just uh, right around the corner from you. Wow, that's pretty cool. We're talking in this episode about uh, several of the oddball museums around the country and you know, Mangesh came up with a, pr a pretty awesome list of this. And do you have any favorite museums around the country you would suggest for our, our listeners to uh, to check out this summer? Yeah, sure. I mean, if we're going to sort of keep it specifically unusual museums, um, there's a few really good ones. Uh, obviously, uh, the this is a really well-known one, uh, but the Muter Museum or Mutter Museum in Philadelphia is America's greatest medical museum. And it is just an incredible collection of skulls and wax uh, faces with horrible uh, skin diseases. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's not for the weak of stomach. If you have, a, if you're not comfortable with that kind of stuff, it's probably like you might want to um, take it slow, but it really is an unbelievable museum. And it's really an example of a kind of museum that was more prevalent in the sort of mid to late 1800s and still exists all over Europe. There just aren't very many of them here in the U.S. So mm -hmm. The Muter is, is an incredible museum. Um, it, it's it, questionable if you can call it a museum exactly, but, but one of the places that uh, started me on this whole journey, this path, is a place in Wisconsin called the House on the Rock. Uh, and the House on the Rock is kind of a, like a legendary uh, tourist stop. It's, it's tucked back in the woods of Wisconsin. If you weren't kind of told about it or hadn't heard of it, you, you wouldn't have any reason. You wouldn't kind of sort of stumble across it. Uh, but what it is, is it started out as one man's kind of architectural project. The sort of, at least the myth is that it was a screw you to Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> that This guy went to work for Frank Lloyd Wright and he told him I wouldn't hire you to build a chicken coop or a cheese crate. And so the guy wow. said, I'm going to go build the greatest Frank Lloyd Wright house ever. So it's this weird off-brand Frank Lloyd Wright house. Uh, <laughs> and whether, whether the myth is true or not, I mean, it's almost certainly not, but it, it, it works. And you definitely, it definitely is a very sort of Frank Lloyd wrong vibe. Uh, <laughs> as you, as you go through over time, this house sort of started acquiring other collections and other museums and they attach this enormous set of warehouses sort of buried in the forest. And, and you really can't tell how big the place is until you start going through it. And it's, it takes like five hours to go through. And inside of this house is a whale, a, a sculpture of a whale fighting a squid that is the size of the Statue of Liberty. It's like oh my God. House. <laughs> the world's largest carousel is in the house with the world's most diverse collection of carousel animals. Uh, the, the house is actually, it's a, it's a big set piece in uh, Neil Gaiman's book, American Gods. And he has said on the record that he had to tone down the craziness of the house on the rock because no one would believe, even though it's a book of fantastical fiction, that like, <laughs> the actual house is too much, too intense. So that, I, I went to that place when I was like 12 on a road trip with my parents, and it kind of set me on this path wow. in, in a way. Now, there's another big day coming up, and I've seen you guys are promoting it on the uh, website as well. On August 21st is the complete solar eclipse. So tell us a little bit about how you guys are celebrating this and where you will be on that day. Yeah, I am so 
fucking excited about this. <laughs> so, you know, August, August 21st is going to be like this once in a lifetime celestial experience, total solar eclipse cutting across almost the entire, uh, United States. And, you know, short of traveling all over the world, there are these eclipse chasers who basically go all around the world seeking kind of the next great eclipse. For most people in the U.S., this will be their best chance to see a total solar eclipse, at least for, you know, 40 some years. Mm -hmm. So we are having a big uh, three day party out in kind of rural Oregon in an area that's uh, weather wise is thought to have one of the best chances of getting a totally clear view of the eclipse. And we've got Science Friday from NPR coming out. We've got a ton of musicians and performers. Uh, we have the Sun Ra Orchestra um, <laughs> performing sort of themed, uh, themed celestial act. Uh, and it's just going to be a celebration of kind of the science, the wonder, and the beauty of this, this natural event. Oh, that's awesome. Really and I'll cool. be, uh, me, and, me and the fam will, uh, will be out there. Wow. Yeah, it'll be good. Well, that's going to be great. We're going to be watching it from uh, from Nashville, which is, I know, in the band that's supposed to see it. So so not quite as uh, remote as you will be, but I've already purchased my solar eclipse viewing glasses. Okay. Excited for that. But um, almost as exciting as this is the uh, quiz (laughs) that we're about to take. So, Mango, what uh, what game is Dylan playing today? This is a game called Truckin' in Puns, and it's based on Atlas Obscura's incredible catalog of crowdsourced, punny-titled food trucks. Truckin' in Puns. <laughs> I like it. So basically, we're going to take an incredible food truck name and give you a clue, and you have to tell us its punny name. So don't worry. This will be fun, and uh, uh, we hope you're ready to play. You ready, Dylan? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Prepare for disaster. All right. We've just got a few questions here. Okay, here we go. This food truck combines a Vietnamese soup with the number of tires it has. Faux wheels. <laughs> That's nice. right. It's in Washington, D.C. <laughs> okay, here we go. Question number two. This food truck combines a cure song about days in the week with a breakfast dish that comes sunny side up or over easy. God, that's hard. Oh, man. Uh uh, the first words fried of egg. I'm in love. <laughs> wow, <laughs> nicely done. So this is a real food truck. Is it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> fried egg. I'm in love. Good job. Wow. Okay, oh, here we man. go. That is... Next question. This food truck name combines a French loaf of bread and something Tony Soprano might tell you after he does you a small favor. Oh, I actually I remember this one. This is one of my favorites. Forget about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two more. Here we go. This food truck celebrates pork while naming itself for Tupac's rival from Clinton Hill. Oh, notorious P.I.G. It's got to be. <laughs> it is. Okay, last one here. A famous Rolling Stone song, which shows compassion for Satan, combined with a place you might get a cold-cut sandwich, like Katz's in New York City. I really want this to be about Satan, but I think it's not. It's, uh, is it um, sim- sympathy for the deli? He's yeah, got it. <laughs> five for five. Wow, five for five. So what is Dylan won today? Well, that earns him an official certificate of admiration from us here at Part-Time Genius. So thanks so much for joining us, Dylan. Congratulations. That's This huge. is my actual only skill is is. is Food-related puns. That's my <laughs> real job. It's my own. Well, we hope all of our listeners will check out Atlas Obscura if you have not already. Dylan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM, let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Domingo's been taking us on a tour of the weird museums to get out of the summer heat. And we hit up the Kazoo Museum in South Carolina, the Museum of the Alphabet in North Carolina, the U.S. National Tick Collection in Georgia, Unclaimed Baggage Center in Alabama, the American Classic Arcade Museum in New Hampshire, and then the Pinball Hall of Fame in Pennsylvania. All right, where to next, Mango? Well, all this touring has probably made you a little hungry, so let's head over to the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I had this funny experience in college where I was at a party and chatting with this guy, and he said he was from Austin, and I said, oh, that's such a cool town. And he just went off talking about how great the Spam Museum is, (laughs) like at length, and I kept thinking, I mean, there's South by Southwest, City Limits, barbecue, so many cool things. Why is he hung up on Spam? And then then I eventually figured it out. Yeah. But all his evangelism did make me want to go. Now, have you ever had Spam Mango? No, I I have no interest in trying it, but I like it as a (laughs) punchline. I actually haven't tried it either, but I feel like we need to change that in a future episode. Maybe we'll find a way to incorporate it into a food quiz. (laughs) I do think the history of Spam is super interesting. And because I can't stop pulling up the websites of places you're mentioning, (laughs) I see they're celebrating a big birthday this year. That's right. Spam was first created in 1937 at the Hormel Foods Corporation plant. So they're turning 80. And at the museum, you can follow its history and see tons of memorabilia from World War II and the role it played in the war. I mean, it's such a massively popular food in several of the island cultures of the Pacific because of the spread during the war. Canned meat was an easy way to give sustenance to soldiers in far-flung regions, and the military really doubled down on it. I think we shipped over 100 million or possibly even 150 million pounds of spam to soldiers around the world during the war. 
Wow. I know it was so present in the soldiers' daily lives. They actually started referring to Uncle Sam as Uncle Spam. <laughs> yeah, there's so many interesting facts about Spam. Like, did you know that Halle Selassie, the Rastafarian messiah and Ethiopian leader, took a tour of the Spam Museum when he visited the States? No. Actually, I know it's not time for the fact-off yet, but maybe we should have a special mini fact-off Spam edition. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> okay, can I go first? Definitely. All right, so there used to be a mascot named Slammin' Spammy. <laughs> According to the Daily Meal, he was a machine gun toting, bomb hurling, angry face pig introduced by Hormel to help support the war effort. And he showed up on everything from clothing to bombers. I want that T-shirt. Me too. <laughs> the McDonald's breakfast platter in Hawaii actually includes a slice of spam. Well, in Guam, they eat an average of 16 cans per year. In South Korea, it's considered a luxury food and it's appropriate to give to a host when you attend their party. <laughs> nice. So there used to be a kosher spam distributed by the Israeli army. It was made of chicken or beef, but they phased it out in 2008. Okay, well, if I say you win, will you agree to go uh, check out this museum with me? Totally. All right, next. <laughs> All right, the next one is one of the craziest and most interesting places people have never heard of, and it's in Hutchinson, Kansas. All right, Kansas. So what is it? It's a place called Stratica, and it's a huge salt mine where the Kansas Underground Salt Museum lives. So this mine is insanely big. It has veins that extend all the way to New Mexico. Oh, wow. But there's a museum down there that's 65 stories underground. Like, that's basically an underground skyscraper. Yeah. You can take a tram tour there, and there's apparently a 250 million-year-old salt crystal that researchers have actually found a living bacterium in. Wow, that place sounds pretty cool. And I'm not even done. The mine is also a storage location for government records. So if you want to find master prints of, like, Gone with the Wind or The Wizard of Oz, well, this is the place to look. No way. And uh, also sometimes they host something called Murder in the Mine at the dinner theater there. All right, you're just making this up at this point. <laughs> I'm so serious. You should look it up. I mean, you've been on every other website related to this tour of weird museums. I am, <laughs> and holy crap, you're not making this up. I've got to see this place. So it looks like you've got one more place to take us to before we break for a quiz. And then I'm going to share a few fun festivals everyone should check out this summer. Okay, so I know we said eight, but let me just say... If you're already in Kansas, it would be a shame if you didn't just make a quick trip up one state to Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. This is the home of the Toy and Action Figure Museum with over 13,000 action figures. And the coolest part of the museum is the diorama that showcases thousands of different action figures from over the years, including a Pee Wee's Playhouse set. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to call you out on going over your quota, but you won me over at Pee Wee. Okay, you're right. It does sound cool. And just one more. We're headed out to California, but you might as well stop off quickly at the Idaho Potato Museum in Blackfoot, Idaho, if only to see the world's largest potato chip, a Pringle measuring 25 inches long. It's been there since 1991. Good Lord. Can you imagine how stale that thing is by now? <laughs> All right. I know you can't help yourself, and that is another good addition. There are just too many good places. I think we should do another episode on museums. So, <laughs> All right. So what's your final stop on the museum front? Well, this one's going to come as no surprise to you since you've known me so long. It's the Burlingame Museum of Pez Memorabilia in Burlingame, California. <laughs> I should have known you'd end your list with this. All right, so tell me about it. <laughs> they have all 550-plus characters ever produced and the largest Pez dispenser in the world, which looks like a snowman. Nice. And by the way, I know a lot of people know that Pez was started as an adult candy as a way to help smokers avoid smoking, which is why the original dispensers looked like lighters. But my favorite thing about Pez is that it used to come in so many weird flavors. 
like this is so much earlier than this Kit Kat trend where they Kit Kats come in like soy sauce and baked <laughs> potato flavor or whatever. Right. But early on, Pez came in coffee, eucalyptus, and even chlorophyll. What? Like I want to try those. I really hope they sell them in the museum lobby. For some reason, that Pez fact about its origins, I forget it. And then every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> it used to help people quit smoking. So. All right, well, that's a terrific list of museums. Congratulations for managing to actually fit in 11 museums on your list of eight. So while I take a minute to process that math, let's take a break for a quiz. So, Mango, who do we have on the line today? So we've got two wonderful travel agents on the line. We've got Susan Whitson from King & Whitson Travel in Washington, Virginia, and Martha Rhodes from Travel with Martha in Richmond, Virginia. All right. Well, let's welcome them both. Now, Susan, I understand that uh, you actually, before your career as a travel agent, worked at the White House. Is this true? I did. I was Laura Bush's press secretary for a couple of years in the second administration uh, before I went home and had some children and and decided to embark on a career in travel. Wow, that must <laughs> have been a, an interesting gig. Yeah, no, it was a wonderful experience, wonderful um, career. And I think part of the reason why I went into the travel business was simply because I went through, I had these amazing experiences traveling around the world with the president. I've tried to recreate a lot of those for my clients. Uh, the only thing I cannot do is I cannot get Air Force One. So I'd like to think I could do everything else other than get Air Force One. Well, this call is over. You know, you've, uh, that's that's what we were going for here. So. Uh, and, and Martha, speaking of interesting experiences, I heard you had a, an interesting experience recently trying to uh, to go through security at the airport, and you were pulled aside, huh? Yeah, well, I think I would offer your uh, listeners a, a, what I call a newly acquired travel tip in the category of uh, learn this the hard way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tested positive for explosives at TSA this week, and um, I was quite uh, concerned about what that could possibly be, and after my first pat-down, the Agent's gloves tested positive for explosives, and I got very concerned that maybe I wasn't going to be allowed on my flight. And um, a second pat down, and the gloves were clear, and it took me a little while, but I realized that it was probably the body powder that I had put on before I went to the airport. And um, consulting with my engineering son, I learned that body powder has magnesium carbonate, which is also used to make gunpowder and flash powder and rocket fuel. So that's something for people to know is to skip the body powder until you get to the other side of security. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad you uh, glad you made it through. So now speaking of advice that you have to give your clients, that's actually related to today's quiz. What quiz are we playing with these guys today, Mango? We're going to play a game called Weird World Laws. Okay, Weird World Laws. So what's going to happen is uh, we're going to give you a law from a certain place around the world, and all you guys have to do is tell us whether that is true or false. We're going to let you guys work together on this one. There are five questions. You guys ready to go? Sure. All right, here we go. <laughs> Question number one, or statement number one, feeding the pigeons in Venice is against the law. True or false? So, Susan, I think that's probably true. I think it's probably true, too, but I know people do it anyway. (laughs) It is true. And uh, Mango, give us the explanation for that one. Yeah, Venice has a pigeon problem, and all those birds cause extra work for the cleanup crew who have to polish the town statues. And, uh, in fact, you can get a hefty fine if you feed the pigeons. Wow, that's good advice there. Don't Ah, feed the pigeons. Great to know. (laughs) Number two, in Luxembourg, it's illegal to put holy water in a water balloon. True or false? 
I would say true. Who has access to holy water and water balloons? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you could just go in and you could get like a little cup and get it out of the little font if you wanted to. Just put it in there if you really wanted to. So I would say that would be pretty bad. But some mischievous child could do that. <laughs> I'm going to say that's false because that just seems like not even a law you would need. Yeah, you're right. It's false. All right. Well, oh, see? <laughs> That's one of those you want well, to be true. Good. I won't have to put that in our travel tip worksheet now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number three. In Barbados, wearing camouflage shorts is a crime unless you're in the Barbados military. True or false? You know, they have that. They, Martha, they have that rule in Africa. They have that law in Africa. I know. No camouflage um, is loud in Africa yeah. when you go on safari. But, yeah, I don't I don't know about Barbados. Why would you be wearing camo in Barbados anyway? I'll go think, with Martha? true. I'm gonna go with true okay. on that one. I'll go with true too. You guys are right. It's true. And uh the reason is because the rule came out in the eighties when gang members impersonated the military and robbed some banks and since then the law stayed on the books. Wow, well done. These guys are what, three for three? Three so for far? three. Well, Martha is. I, I missed one. I'll give Martha the three for three. <laughs> you guys are a team. You stick together. Okay, here we go. Question number. <laughs> question number four. It's a travel agent code. That's right. That's right. That's right. Travel agent code. You stick together. Buddy system here. Okay. It's, it's illegal to reincarnate in China without government permission. It's illegal to reincarnate in China without government permission. True or false? You said reincarnate, not reproduce. Right. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's false. I don't know. Martha's had right, a good gun on all of these. I, I, think, I, I think that's false. What do you think, false. Martha? Okay, they went with false. What's the uh, answer, Mango? This one's actually true. Wow. Let's hear the explanation. Oh, really? Yeah. The law was enacted partially to prevent the Dalai Lama from reincarnating in Tibet. But if you want to be born there in your next life, you actually have to seek the blessing of the Chinese government. It's interesting stuff. So remind your clients. Okay. Remind your clients not yes. to reincarnate Again, in China. we'll go in our travel tip sheets that we send to our clients. Uh, little known facts about your upcoming trip to China. That's right. Yeah. All right. Last question. These guys are three for four. Let's see if they can get the last one. Number five is, it's illegal for foreigners to handle or pet a purebred French poodle in the Maldives. Poodle mixes, however, are fair game. True or false? I have no idea on this one. That is Martha, so what do you bizarre. Think? Susan, I think we got to go with true on that. Okay, I think we're going to go with true. Okay. Yeah, Mango's kind of a trickster when he comes up with these. Uh, what's the answer to this it's one? It's actually false. Anyone yeah. can touch a French poodle. Oh, man. <laughs> Very that was nice psychology guys. right there. But I think, I think in our official rule book of travel agent quizzes, what did they have to score to win the uh, big prize? I think three. Three out of five? Yeah. And what did they get? So Martha and Susan combined for an astounding three of five, which wins them a certificate to their moms or boss singing their praises from us and we're uh, going to send you a pickle luggage tag as well the classiest pickle luggage tags on etsy wow congratulations guys <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us today and i hope you have a great next trip thank you that was thank really fun for having Enjoyed us being thank with you. you before ai can help your business predict demand Accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. 
Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Mango, I think you've given our listeners some great museums to visit when they want to escape the heat this summer. But I don't think summer can really be complete without visiting at least one or two weird festivals. So with that in mind, I want to quickly share a few must-attend events for the remaining months. And I mean must-attend. <laughs> okay, let's hear them. All right, listeners, you're going to have to move quickly to make this first one. It's down in New Orleans. It's the San Furman Bull Run, and the festival takes place from July 7th to 9th. Now, I know you've all heard of the running of the bulls in Pamplona, and that's pretty much exactly what this is. <laughs> but instead of bulls, participants are being run down and beaten with foam bats by the big, easy roller girls. <laughs> Last year, the run attracted 14,000 participants. I can't believe people actually come for that. It's amazing. It's a big deal. <laughs> well, what else do you have? <laughs> all right. Then you'll have a couple weeks to recover for two very different festivals on back-to-back -back nights. But it's really worth it to make it to both. First, you have the Great Texas Mosquito Festival in Clute, Texas. And this is where you'll see the Mosquito Calling Contest and Willie Man Chew, which is the 26-foot-tall mosquito mascot <laughs> wearing a cowboy hat and boots. I'm a little skeptical of taking a trip just to hang out with a giant mosquito. I think you're forgetting. It wears a hat and boots. You can't miss that. <laughs> okay, and there's a second festival right there on that second night. No, no, not right there. You'll need to catch a flight from nearby Houston up to Detroit and then make the easy one-and-a-half-hour drive up to Yale, Michigan <laughs> for the annual Baloney Fest. I mean, you don't want to find out who's crowned this year's king and queen of bologna on Twitter, right? You no. want to be there. Plus, you can enjoy the bologna derby and the outhouse races. Outhouse races? I guess this is because of where you need to run after eating a bunch of bologna? I get the impression that is the case, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've told you before why I can't stand the smell of bologna even to this day. Why is that again? 
Well, because I grew up across the street from triplet boys who were younger brothers than my friend Mike. (laughs) Well, their mom would return home from the grocery store and she would always buy them packs of bologna. The bologna would never make it to the refrigerator. It would just hit the kitchen table and the boys would tear into it like a pack of wild dogs. (laughs) I can still hear it now. It's so gross. Well, it seems like the right thing to do to attend the bologna festival is a tribute to them. So uh, where to next? All right. Well, I've got two other stops. The first of which is perhaps the only thing more gross to me than bologna. It's the Wisconsin State Cow Chip Throw in Prairie du Sac, Wisconsin. <laughs> this happens to be in very early September. And in case you didn't know, a cow chip is a piece of hardened cow dung. So the whole idea behind the throwing contest is to see how far you can throw or rather fling like a discus these cow chips and Apparently, the record is 248 feet. (laughs) But the best part about the whole thing might be the rules. As the homepage of the event's website says, (laughs) no gloves, but licking your hands is allowed to get a better grip. So disgusting. (laughs) Well, it's clearly not that disgusting because 40,000 people show up every year to check it out. There's even a corporate division, Mango, so I'm thinking maybe we should get the How Stuff Works gang to sign up for this. How state cow shift throws work. I I like that. All right, and here's another thing I know that they're all excited about and that we talked about earlier with Dylan, and this is the solar eclipse happening on August 21st. Mm -hmm. It's the first one in the United States in our lifetime and won't happen again for decades. As I mentioned earlier, we've ordered our solar eclipse glasses, and I can't wait to see it. Anyone in the band that runs diagonally across the country from Salem, Oregon to Charleston, South Carolina, will be able to see it in totality. But even those who aren't will at least be able to see a partial eclipse. Yeah, there's a terrific episode of Every Little Thing, one of our favorite new podcasts that covers this event. And the super weird and fun world of eclipse chasers, it's pretty great. Well, speaking of pretty great, you know what time it is. (laughs) Time for the part-time genius fact off. This is the part of the show where we share some of the incredible facts we found in our research but didn't get a chance to share yet. All right, Mango, you want to kick it off? Sure. Do you know that every year about half a penny from each American taxpayer goes to something called the International Boundary Commission, whose job it is to keep a clean border between the U.S. and Canada? This area is known as the Slash. Slash. (laughs) And it's a 20-foot wide zone that goes the distance of the border. Definitely a destination for geography nerds and Slash. That's, (laughs) That's pretty cool. I've actually never heard of that. I can't imagine how many hours are spent keeping that area cut. It's so weird, but... Speaking of weird, if there's one thing that was reinforced as we were looking into places to visit, it's that Florida is weird, but also pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So did you know that Florida is home to the world's first underwater hotel? No. It's the Jules Undersea Lodge in Key Largo Undersea Park. Now, you do have to be scuba certified, but if you are, you can watch the fish swim around outside your bedroom. You'll have access to a full kitchen. There's even a lounge with books and movies to enjoy all while being 21 feet under the surface. That's pretty cool. So if you're looking for a place to take a nice long stroll, why not head to Weldon Spring, Missouri, where you can walk on the Nuclear Waste Adventure Trail. This 54-acre park sits on the land of what used to be the largest explosives factory in the country and a uranium factory during the Cold War. Oh, wow. Yeah, the U.S. Department of Energy decided to throw a whole bunch of rocks on it in the 80s, and now you can take that walk knowing you're strolling on top of asbestos and mercury, uranium, TNT, all sorts of fun things. Gosh, that's crazy. (laughs) All right, but like I was saying, Florida is weird. It's not only home to the first underwater hotel, but there's also an underwater cemetery just a few (laughs) miles off the coast of Miami. 
It used to be called the Atlantis Memorial Reef, which I think sounds cool, but it's now called the Neptune Memorial Reef. But if you visit, you'd see these huge columns with lions guarding the entrance. Now, inside, you'd find stone roads and other evidence of this lost city. And when someone passes away and is cremated, their remains are then put into concrete memorials inside the city where divers can visit. All of this 40 feet below the surface. That's crazy. And also a lot of Florida. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so since you just talked about death, I'll talk about a pretty huge existence of life. Known as the humongous fungus in Grant, Oregon, it's <laughs> this huge networked fungus that scientists think may be both the largest and oldest life form still found on Earth. Huh. It spreads 2,200 acres and has been growing for 2,400 years. No way. And while it has a sweet name, the honey mushroom, the main way scientists know how widespread it is is to see how many of the trees above ground are dying because it's a parasite that takes over the root systems of these trees above and eventually kills them. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I was trying to make this about life. Yeah, that one took a surprising <laughs> turn. God. All right, so back to Florida. You know, one thing I wish I could still experience there is the sound of the singing runway at the abandoned <laughs> Disney World Airport in Orlando. It was only used for a year or two before they decided not to allow flights to come directly into the Magic Kingdom. But even better than the convenience to Disney was the fact that the grooves in the runway you know, the ones that are kind of like the ones that run along the interstate there. Mm -hmm. They decided to make them play When You Wish Upon a Star when driven over at 45 miles an hour. It's such a fun surprise for passengers. Oh, I love that. And after the emotional roller coaster we experienced in this fact off, I think I have to give it to you for ending on a happy note. So you win this week's edition. Thanks, Mango. That's it for today's part-time genius. Happy travels out there, and thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Kristen McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who? the question diamonds direct as an offer you can't miss this month only buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at two thousand dollars imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once no one provides education selection and value like diamonds direct your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at diamonds direct won't last long details at diamondsdirect.com you wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.
Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.